Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Dominic Copeland, host of The Promised Land. Thank you for joining me once again. As I always like to say, what better way to spend your day than the spirit of growth and empowerment? The Promised Land is about how to make a difference within yourself, others, and the world around you. It's about how to use your God-given gifts to realize the life you are meant to live, your promised land. The fulfillment of the promised land is a journey. It's a journey that starts within you, a journey that begins with who you are and what you stand for. And there are seven principles you must achieve in order to realize that promise, to realize a tomorrow that is better than today and fulfill the dream that God has not only for you, but for all of humanity. These seven principles are moral integrity, character, faith, self-empowerment, change, challenge, growth altogether, purpose and meaning, and then finally, last but not least, vision. I have gone through the first five principles already. And if you're just joining us, well, come on in. The water's fine. Now repeat after me. I believe in myself. Today is my day. God has made me great, and I accept that I can accomplish great things. So as we begin here, today I want to deviate a little bit from the next principle of the promised land, uh, which is purpose and meaning, to talk about a related subject. I have been humbled many times throughout my life. And as you know, the process of living, it's, it's not an easy process. It's filled with many challenges and can at times seem absolutely more than what we can bear. I'm not sure how many of you have seen the, the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. If you haven't, I recommend it, it's a great movie. Watch it with your kids. In the movie, Will Smith and his family are working hard, getting by, trying to carve out a life for themselves. The movie is based off of a true story as Will Smith plays struggling salesman, Chris Gardner. Now, Chris Gardner has these, these dreams of grandeur of living a rich and abundant life, of not struggling day in and day out. In the movie, his wife ends up leaving him to fend for himself and his son. And throughout the process, Chris becomes homeless, sleeping in train station, bathrooms, and, and homeless shelters. He faces immeasurable odds every day as he fights to build a better tomorrow for himself and his son. There's one scene that seems to symbolize the whole story of Chris's struggle. Chris is able to secure an interview at a prestigious financial firm. It's an opportunity that could change the course of his destiny. So the night before the meeting, Chris, while painting at his house, gets arrested for not paying rent. Fortunately, he's able to get out of jail early enough to rush off and make the interview. Now, the only issue is that he cannot get back into his apartment to get any of his clothes. So he shows up to the interview with this prestigious law firm uh, excuse me, financial firm, dressed in dirty jeans and a T-shirt. His body stained with paint. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine showing up to any interview in that way, that shape or form? But somehow through his wit and his desire, Chris is able to convince his interviewees that he's the right person for the job. So you think, okay, great, he's achieved it. He's done something great. But then his interviewees go on to inform Chris that it's a competitive, unpaid internship 
where he'll have to compete with other candidates for a single job opening. Now, at this point, Chris has just about no money. He's selling everything short of his soul to try and make it by. So he really can't afford to go work somewhere for free. But somehow, for some reason, he decides this is a life-changing opportunity and I'm gonna make the most of it. So he puts in the work. And in the end, through all the hard work, the countless obstacles and the setbacks, Chris is finally awarded the job. He finally reaches that, that mountaintop that he's been striving for. And as you can imagine in the movie, it's a great moment. In the movie, Will Smith's character says that this, this right here, this, this small moment is what I call happiness. I want to talk to you today about how we can create that small moment of happiness in our own lives. My friends, humanity is in need of a change. And as I've mentioned before, change is about becoming. We're always in a constant state of change. Unfortunately, we don't often dictate exactly how we change. We just leave it to chance and allow ourselves to be victims of circumstance. Instead of utilizing the adversity standing before us, using them to realize the greater part of ourselves and fulfill our promise to be Invictus, the master of your fate and the captain of your soul. You, my friends, are the grand designer of your life. God has been waiting for you to awaken to that reality and seize the endless possibilities. As I mentioned to you before, one of the scariest aspects of change is the unknown. It's losing what we previously had, losing who we were and what we were used to, shedding the things that held us back and did not allow us to grow. Sometimes it's habits, sometimes it's those around us, sometimes it may feel like you're losing everything. And I absolutely know that's a scary proposition. People have a genuine fear of change, often because they fear what lies ahead may be worse than what came before it. It's fear that allows monsters to hide in the dark and fester. Fear that allows darkness to grow. Fear of the unknown that stops us as a nation from building a better tomorrow that will allow us to realize our God-given rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Change is not easy. It's not easy to embrace in the beginning. But once you can do it, once you can open yourself up to the chaos that comes along with adversity, knowing that at some point you'll be able to manage the chaos, then at that point, my friends, you're opening yourself up to the greatest godlike potential we've been entrusted with. It's the ability to manage the chaos, to take something chaotic and turn it into something orderly and meaningful to take the madness of that raw energy and direct it towards a definite aim. Whether it be challenging times, the events of our life, or the raging of your own emotions, if you can somehow, in the raging waves of change, find focus and stability within yourself and see clear through the madness, you have an effect made calm the seas. Your poise, even in the most difficult of times, will be an unshakable power that will allow you to bend reality itself. I mean, just think of it. Think of all those have come before you that are amongst us. Think of the Bill Gates. 
Think of people who've built great things. They just embrace the chaos. They've embraced the change. They embrace the ability within themselves. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to take your time and think about it long and hard. What is the vision for our nation? In five years, 10 years, even one year. As a nation, where are we looking to be and what are we looking to accomplish in order to get there? Where are we going? And most importantly, what are we becoming? Do you know? Does Donald Trump know? I don't know, maybe Hillary Clinton does. How about Bernie Sanders? What about you? What is the vision for your own life and what you're becoming? What about all of humanity as a whole? Yes, all of humanity, each and every one of us. What is the vision for what we are becoming? The Bible states that where there is no vision, the people will perish. It means they'll become non-existent. Vision is so imperative that it is the, the balancing, the last principle, the seventh principle of the promised land. You see, despite what those politicians say, real leadership does not come in a 30-second soundbite. It does not come with taking the popular view or being the most appealing candidate. Leadership sometimes involves taking the unpopular view because you have the foresight to see not only the challenges that are before us, but the opportunities inherent within those challenges. Real leadership is not being afraid of change. Instead, it's realizing that no matter what you do or how much you try, things will always change. Change is the only constant in our universe. You can choose to fight it, hide from it, or stay stagnant in fear all of which are losing propositions. But for a moment, imagine if you embrace the concept of change, realizing the inherent opportunities that lie there wrapped in the form of challenges. These opportunities, like a slab of stone, don't come well-dressed in a form that you can readily see. It takes vision to see that slab of stone as the statue of David, to realize the beauty that your vision and dedicated persistence can bring to light. I've written the promised land so that we can realize we truly are the masters of our own fate. And in large part, the very fate of humanity itself. As we go, so does the fate of our world, our children and their children. Knowing we have this within us, it's important that we as human beings stand on a strong constitution, deeply rooted in moral integrity, from which we forge our character rooted in faith as we continually empower ourselves through self-education so we can master the process of change, challenge, and growth to live a life of purpose and meaning led by vision. Those, my friends, are the principles of the promised land and why they are so crucial to the next phase in our development as individuals and the united humanity. The problem we face today it's that we have no vision for our individual lives and no vision for all of humanity. What are we in the process of becoming and how will we choose to get there? It is a problem because as the saying goes, if you stand for nothing, then you'll fall for anything. I mean, just, just look around you today. What is the measure of your life? What is your life about? What does it mean? What does it matter? What makes your life and you significant? 
Why do you matter? And what is your self-value? Look closely. Is it in your job? Is it in the things that you own, the amount of money in your bank account? I mean, truly think about it for a moment. How do we define self-value? How do we find a life that's been well-lived? How do we define if our life has mattered? Now, I'll tell you something that may shock you. You see, all lives matter because all lives have an opportunity for better or for worse to have an impact on humanity. Now, I will say that again. All lives matter because they all have an opportunity for better or for worse to impact humanity. Now, I was watching one of those, those crazy alien theory shows. I mean, it, it was crazy, but in the show, they said something that resonated with me. The host talked about this, this crazy theory that we're being watched by other worlds or other life forms who are interested in what we do with what we've been given as individuals and as a united humanity. Yes, I know it sounds crazy, but I just thought for one second, how would we live? How would we scope our lives if that were true? What if we are the greatest determining factor to what is to become of humanity? What if through who we are and what we do, we determine the fate of humankind? What if someone out there wants to see what we make of ourselves, wants to see exactly what humanity makes with what it's been given? If that were the case, when the time came, how would we be judged? As a species who gave their all with the, what they had been given, who took the time to explore not the universe, but the depths of their own humanity, to see what great things they were capable of, or as a species that failed to realize the great power it held. We know so little about ourselves and what we're capable of achieving as human beings. Given a spirit and a soul and a free will, I truly believe that many, if not all the answers that we search for out there are right here within us. As our president said, we are the ones that we've been seeking. We are capable of some absolutely phenomenal achievements and yes, that can be terrifying if you don't know how to direct and utilize it. And that's in part why the promised land is so important so that we can understand and learn how to direct and utilize the great gifts that we've been given. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a fan of, of the show Star Trek. Yes, I'm a Trekkie and proud of it. Here we go. Live long and prosper. In Star Trek, the next generation, humanity is a part of what is called a United Federation of Planets. Instead of there just being the planet Earth, there are other worlds and life forms that humanity has to interact with and be accountable to. Now imagine if this were the case. What if we were part of a larger order of life and we had to set an agenda as a planet and as a species for what we seek to achieve and deliver to the universe? We would have to have a vision for how we as a united planet seek to grow and change. We would have to actively determine the course of our species, what we seek to become, and eventually how. 
So even though that's not the case, we're not part of this great federation of planets, what if we choose to do exactly that, to actively define and determine an overall course for humankind? See, the problem is that we've not been taught how to realize the power we have as a people of our own nation, nevertheless of all of humanity. And an even greater problem is flat out fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of change. I mean, I can sit here and tell you that your fear is irrational, that is foolish, but truth be told, irrational otherwise, it doesn't matter. Because if you're afraid, you're afraid. We all in some way are afraid of change because we want things to stay how we can manage and best understand them. When things change, we find ourselves lost, struggling to make sense of it all. You see, things have already changed. And instead of being the master of our fate and the captain of our soul, we have allowed ourselves to be victims of that change. Instead of dictating the change we desire to see, we suffer the change that has been given us. The way the world is now is not the way the world has to be. It is the way that we've allowed the world to become. As our president has said, we are the change that we seek. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. And the Declaration of Independence, the document that the founding fathers of our nation used to explain why they were looking to make such a radical change, they explained it by saying this. Now bear with me because it's a little wordy. Prudence indeed would dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms that which they are custom. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object Events a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Now what our founding fathers were simply saying is that people are afraid of change. They'll stick with what isn't working even though they are suffering immeasurable wrongs. It's only when the pain becomes too much to bear that we as a people will finally seek to do something about it. So in that they were saying people at that point can establish new government, new ways to guarantee their security for the future. Only after they'll suffer far too long because they're afraid of jeopardizing the security that they currently have, even when they fail to realize that that security is already gone. Look at it this way. How many of you earn as much as you did five years ago? Show of hands. How many of you need more than one income now to support your family? How many of you have grown older than you were five years ago? How many of you are less healthy than you were five years ago? How many of you have seen your cell phone bill, your cable bill, or any other bill that you can think of over the last five years or longer, just continue to go up and up and up. See, my friends, things change whether we want them to or not. And if we just sit back and hope that they don't, we find ourselves at the mercy of whatever changes come our way. 
And we're often accepting a lot less while being asked to give a lot more. But what if we choose to see through the change, to understand that it's a necessary part of our existence and determined to look for the opportunities dressed as challenges that we can utilize to grow our future? What if right now, here today, we have the power to determine the rest of our lives and how we choose to live it? And I say this because I believe that we do. And more importantly, from a common sense perspective, if we continue down the road that we're currently on, where wealth is becoming more and more concentrated into the hands of fewer and fewer, where we have to work harder and longer for less, where it takes at least two incomes for us to try to get by, where prices for everything never go down but instead continue to go up, and we have to pay for more while getting much less. I mean, honestly, ask yourself, what is the conclusion to the path that we're currently on? We go from one person being able to make an income that can support a family to two incomes trying to barely support a family. The next step is needing three or four more incomes. That's right, it may take you and your, your kids or other family members pulling their resources so that you can actually afford to live in a single home. You may all need to carpool to work to pull your money to buy a vehicle or two. Meanwhile, you all may be college educated, paying off these enormous student loans with low paying jobs. The middle class of America may one day consist of generations of a family living together, pulling their resources so they can afford what once a single income was able to afford. Is this the life, liberty and pursuit of happiness that is our God given right? Look, I know it can be a bit frightening. If you think about it, you think, who, me? I have the power to impact my life and all of humankind. With all the crazy things that I do and the mistakes that I make, I have a sane impact on the world. I know if you think that way, it can be scary. Because what if you mess up? Now, who wants to believe that their actions mean that much? But they do. They do and they don't. I mean, you're not alone in this world and there'll be others to balance your actions, to hopefully help you to grow and be a better person. Just look at any business or technological advancement at all the great pieces of art and music, all created by individuals who use their gifts to make a difference within themselves, others, and the world around them. It's the promised land. So what do we do about it? How can we change the fate that stands before us and set a new vision for the course of our lives? and all of humankind. Well, for all those that are willing, let's begin the process. Let's start to answer these questions. Answer questions like, what if we as individuals, what are we striving to con contribute to the sanctity and growth of humanity? As a humanity, what is the vision for what we are to become and how we will get there? Let's start to work together to define and determine the scope of humanity for the next thousand years to come. Let's together, hand in hand, build a world that has a place for all of us. Let's build a world where who we are and what we stand for makes us significant, not the amount of money in your bank account. If we work together, we can make changes 
that will impact our children and our children's children and make this world a better place than what it has ever been before. Because I believe that is our future and that is our destiny. We here today have the power to change the world for the better. And it starts one step at a time. So join me here next week for another very special episode. I promise you won't want to miss this one. And as always, God bless you. Keep the faith and believe. I'll see you next time.